Hey you heroes! Welcome to Marvel Champions Monthly, a fan cast about the card game Marvel Champions by Fantasy Flight Games. Thanks for joining us as we complete heroic deeds and thaw the villain's evil schemes. Hey everybody, welcome to the Marvel Champions and More podcast. I'm Kennedy Hawk, one of your hosts. Today we're going to be talking about the third part of the next Evolution box, or our third episode in our little discussion of it. So we're going to be going over the final two villains, our thoughts on the campaign, and overall thoughts on the box. We've got the whole crew with us here today, so we've got Adderkop. How's it going? Going great. I'm really excited about this. You're not watching baseball today. How does that make you feel? Um, honestly, less painful than when, it was wa- when I was watching baseball, so Fair. pretty positive. Fair. Okay. We've uh, also got Crimson. How's it going, Crim? How's it going? It's going. It's not too bad. You're excited to talk about these last two villains, I'm sure. Definitely. And we've got Hone again. How's it going? Pretty good, you know. It's always good when you make it to the end of the week. Talk about exactly. Exactly. And did you know that the Con of Heroes tickets for 2024 are on sale right now? You can check that out at conofheroes.com. The dates are May 3rd through May 5th in Roseville, Minnesota. We got a ton of fun events planned, and I can't wait to hang out and see the community once again. So again, check out conofheroes.com. You're not going to want to miss this Con of Heroes. It's number three, and we've been saving up some cool stuff for number three. All right, back to the regularly scheduled show. We cut a joke here because it was super inappropriate. If you have questions about it, you should just inbox Adderkop. Well, you know, some villains always like to predict the future. And the first villain we're going to talk about is actually from way back in the past. I think you're going to give us an overview of the Mr. Sinister, right? Right, Adderkop? I I think what you mean to say is send in the clones. Yes, yes. Execute Order 66. Is that a Star Wars? wrong podcast. Wrong podcast. <laughs> yeah. I don't get Star War. Um, anyway, yeah. Tell so us this about is, this guy. Uh, about uh, Dr. Nathaniel Essex. Um, Mr. Sinister is a pretty interesting villain. Um, he is cool at cloning things and being old-timey and Victorian and uh, nobody really knowing what he does besides make clones. And, you know, I think we should keep it that way. Makes sense. Makes um, sense. But in his, in his scenario, um, which is pretty cool, he shows you what he knows about uh, genetics and sort of upgrades himself as, the, as it goes on. And you do get to fight his um, awesome clones. I'm glad they referenced some of the more recent art of uh, Mr. Sinister with his um, Sinister Soldiers. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself, so... We'll talk about Mr. Sinister, uh, the villain himself. Um, Mr. Sinister is a villain with two scheme and one attack uh, on his level one. He's got the genius keyword. Forced response after a status is placed on Mr. Sinister, place one threat on the main scheme. I hate it. Uh, He's got hit points of 14 per player. So, you know, nothing crazy. If if he gets tough, if you stun him, uh, he he causes problems for you. And you'll see a little bit later um, that this is, this is actually like, like at face value, that doesn't seem like a big deal. But with the size of the schemes, uh, it's actually kind of a big deal. Um, on his level two, he 
goes up to two attack, keeps the genius keyword. When he's revealed, place one threat per player on the main scheme, two threat per player instead if he has fewer than two superpower in, uh, attachments. Uh, force response, after a status is placed on Mr. Sinister, place uh, two threat on the main scheme. So same problem, just a little bigger. Um, and then in his last stage, he has a three. He goes up to a three scheme, keeps his keywords, but now he's placing two threat per player, uh, three with less than two superpower enchantments. Um, and his force response is three threat instead of two. So it, he just scales up, just like you'd expect. Um, the big uh, The big problem that I mentioned is that his main scheme has a very low threshold. Uh, it is five per player, which is, and it starts with uh, one already. So with all these different um, situations where you add more threat, it uh, it goes pretty quickly. And the first time I played it, it kind of surprised me. I was like, uh, I think I'm reading this wrong. <laughs> um, you get uh, side one A of Sinister Intent sets the game up for you. Uh, it tells you to put aside flight, super strength, telepathy. Um, and then remove one of the three identical 2A cards. And then, uh, I'm sorry, that's uh, that's on solo, I believe? Or no? No, you always remove one. Okay, cool. Um, what's, yeah, on 1B, you remove one of the 2As, and then you're left with two, which are going to represent his like random powers that he's going to show you through his, um, his uh, genetic vats. Um, the first time I played him, I think he got Flight and Telepathy, and I was like, oh, this is really cool. And the second time I played him, he got Flight and Super Strength and was just walloping me. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, with these really, really low uh, thresholds, he can kind of just pop off out of nowhere. Um, finally, 3A uh, gives you an encounter card when it's revealed, and he specifically targets Hope Summers, who starts in play with the first player. Um, whenever he attacks. So you have to really protect Hope. And again, it's a fairly low threshold at 7 per player. Thankfully, he doesn't start with anything. So that's kind of cool. Um, that is that is the main mechanics. Um, but as I mentioned before, you know he has, he has Flight and Super Strength and uh, Telekinesis. And each one of those, when they're shuffled in, the like main theme card attaches to Sinister. Uh... Telepathy gives him plus one um, scheme. Flight gives him uh, plus one attack and aerial. Um, super strength gives him plus one attack. And I believe steady, or is it stalwart? I'm not looking at it right now. I think it's steady. Um, yeah, I think it's steady. So you can see how he gets a little souped up. And then a lot of his, uh, his cards, his abilities, will check for keywords like the aerial or brute keywords. Um, or traits, rather. Um... I think that's that's pretty much it. Um, his his Sinister Soldier minions are one scheme, one attack, five health clones that get plus one scheme and attack for each superpower that he has attached to him. Um, and as a boost, they give him more power relative to his superpower attachment. So you can see how this can get like kind of out of hand very quickly. It sort of reminds me of uh, Zola's Mutates. That they like at face value, they're not really that scary, but then they start getting souped up just by virtue of other things that are in play. Um, in yep. their case, they get attached to them. In this case, they get attached to Mr. Sinister. And then Mr. Sinister is way scarier because he's all souped up too. Um, there's a, 
there's a side scheme in, in Mr. Sinister's kit, teleported away, that says he cannot take damage. That stinks. Uh, genetic Mastery is a treachery that does things for each trait he has, which means that he can do all of them, similar to Absorbing Man's encounter. Um, but uh, besides that, everything else just says, hey, what trait do I have? And here's here's the bad stuff that happens to you. So don't let him get a lot of traits. What do you guys think of the scenario? I really like this scenario. Um, it did remind me a lot of Absorbing Man, but with the agency where I had to actually pay attention. And <laughs> what I like is it's kind of the theme of this whole box. There's a little bit of randomness, right? What um, marauders show up in the first scenario, and then who shows up in the second scenario. And then this here, right? You're removing one of the two A's, so he's going to get two of those superpowers if he pushes through all of his schemes, and he's going to get one right away. So you, you mentioned that flight gives him plus one attack and aerial. I don't care about either of those things, but it also gives all of his attacks overkill. That's what I care about as, as the leadership player. So depending on what superpower he gets, it could completely counter what your deck strategy is. So you need to have like a very versatile deck, because if you're depending on allies, if flight comes up, it's just going to wreck you. Um, but if you're depending on status conditions, then I think one of them gave him steady, like you said. So that one's going to be a problem. And there's another one that gives him retaliate as, a, along with that trait. So you kind of have to have a deck that's prepared for everything because you don't get to pick what uh, superpower comes out. You're removing a random stage 2A. Um, I like that all his minions scale up throughout the game. We've always said that... Uh, Previous boxes, the way they scaled up villains in difficulty is they gave the villains a bunch of things at the beginning, and it made it hard to get past that initial hump. But here, all the treacheries get stronger later in the game, because they'll have two superpowers, potentially. All the little sinister soldiers get stronger later in the game, so like the, the villain and their arsenal is getting stronger as you get stronger, so it's, in theory, providing like a constantly fun challenge. So I, I really like this scenario. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I, I think the Marauders as well, like the first scenario, um, also does that, right? Like, as you put more Marauders underneath, um, the, the counter also levels up. I yep. think that's a good pattern that they've kind of done this one. Um, the two accelerations also pretty rough. Like, I don't know if you any of you have actually beaten this scenario while keeping him on only one of his two superpower attachments but it, it's pretty solo. hard yeah it's pretty it definitely in solo it's like really hard to not have that thing pop when you're getting two acceleration uh, a turn and basically an advance well easy like if you flip down it's pretty much a guaranteed pop right oh i think i just did that actually i was just playing with my new angel deck and uh yeah uh i pushed him through i think i two-shotted him <laughs> took him down nice but yeah um, I can see it. it's, it's the plus two is like is huge on a f I, I failed to mention that yeah the plus two per player acceleration on a five <laughs> a five threat uh, scenario or scheme is, is pretty well, tight and he has like two base scheme on standard and expert right like stage one and two he schemes for yeah. two so Basically, in solo, if he gets a single boost, it pops the scheme if you flip down, even if you clear the entire scene, right? Uh, as long as he, as long as he, yeah, schemes, sure. 
Well, I mean, if, if you can, I, yeah, I mean, if you confuse them, I guess he puts there on there that you'd have to clear as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I think it's a really well-designed scenario uh, because it also just, I think, gets around. It has answers, I think, to most of the, I think, common, I don't know if cheese is the right word, but, like, common tactics, I think, that um, people sometimes complain about in the game. Like, oh, you can stun lock a villain or you can just always chump block. Like, he has answers, basically, to all those things. Mm -hmm. And so you really have to kind of be able to work around that, which I think is you know, fun and pushes the player to be a little bit more creative. Like modern Sinister would, he really pushes the meta. <laughs> He's a visionary. Um, I do think that he does really well at expert standard scaling as well. And that's something this box has really excelled at. I feel like the the level one version or the stage one, whatever it's called, the, the Mr. Sinister with a one in his box on the right-hand side, is uh, really well suited for standard, and the two can kind of go with either, and then the three really pushes things up a level with really not letting you do statuses and dumping a bunch of threat in the scheme when he comes out. So I think they've they've tuned this box really well, where I feel like, again, on standard, I feel like I always had a good shot when I was playing with him with precons, and on expert, if I went in with the precon, I'd feel like I'm getting crushed, and that's that's the spot I wanted to be in, so I'm pretty happy. What do you think of the superpower modular sets that come with him? So flight, super strength, and telepathy. I think they're pretty good, and they'll be fun to mix into other scenarios. Like I'm looking forward to playing around with them for Kana Heroes challenges for mm -hmm. this coming year. Um, obviously, they're super impactful in Mr. Sinister because they the attachment starts out in play. Um, so it's a little bit like I think Mojo, right, where the the show cards start out in play, and so they have a different feel because they're super impactful. But I think they'll definitely be a hit just because um, you know they're. I think they add a lot of kind of fun things that you yeah have to deal with, right? And I've actually and you been can't mixing them, them in. right? What was that? You can't remove the attachment either. You no. cannot. And actually, they uh, they have setup on them. So if you play Rhino with the flight modular, Rhino starts with with super flight, which is pretty cool, right? Um, you mean Flyno? Flyno. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, people thought the Goblin Glider Rhino was cool. Now let's just like let him fly without wings. He's, <laughs> he's how, how do you jumping feel about, real high. <laughs> how do you feel about Overkill Rhino? Um. I mean, bad. <laughs> I mean, per permanent overkill, right? I'm not saying I played Hawkeye against him, but <laughs> I used a lot of shield blocks. But I mean, it, it oh, really yeah. pushes the what if scenarios of Marvel and of Marvel Champions, right? What if Rhino wasn't just this this Dumbo in a Rhino suit, but he also had telepathy or, you know, maybe he was super strong. I don't think Rhino is that to begin with. Right. Totally not. Um, so I think you can play lots of cool like what if scenarios which is my favorite thing in champions so i was pretty happy with just mixing these into super old villains and seeing the spice that it brings up the plus one attack on a villain is surprisingly impactful and then the overkill that too yeah yeah i think uh, I, I think I ahead, it would be i think it'd be interesting to throw these in with some other villains too um with the exception of telepathy i already see two cards in there that i don't like <laughs> 
<laughs> well, good. That's what they're supposed to be. They're bad guy cards. No, no. Anything that says discard is bad. Mm. Uh, honestly, like those cards are pretty interesting. That one, that one popped up in my last playthrough. Um, but uh, I think the the important thing is that we can like slap this into villains that, like you said, older villains. We can put telepathy into Red Skull to create Red Skull from the Uncanny Avengers uh, arc, oh, where he goodness. has Professor yeah. X's brain. Uh, and that's the coolest thing about these. This is like... Is that yeah, our MCM like a, challenge this week? Is that what you're saying? Uh, yes. Yes. Yes, it is. Would, and you have to play an Avenger or an X-Man. I was thinking uh, a flying Ronin, but whatever. That's Stop it. We'd make you play it first. We'd make you yeah, play it no, first. That's, that's okay. Uh, you won't be recommending any more challenges. <laughs> um, also, you can attach super strength to anybody to make a hulked out villain. I like that a lot. The the I'll, I'll take that is also pretty mean because as he power ups he depowers you. I was playing a game with Angel where I had to discard my organic techno organic wings and that felt really good. Ugh. That pains me just to hear it. Yeah, it hurts my wings. Yeah. Uh, one one thing one thing that really ruffles my feathers. <laughs> uh, one thing that's kind of fun with Rhino is that uh or not Rhino Mister Sinister is that as he gets more traits. Uh, it makes rogue decks kind of interesting because it allows you to potentially play more things because you can just attach touch taunt him. So like you can play out of the gate like ingenuity by just touching Mr. Sinister. That took me a minute because in the CCGs I play right now, I'm playing super jank decks and sometimes I call them rogue decks. So I was like, rogue decks? What are rogue decks in this game? And then I was like, oh, never mind. They I have rogue it. in them and they're rogue decks too because rogue doesn't get enough play. So really it's a win-win. <laughs> True. True. That's a, that's a really good point, Hone. Like, he's just a keyword farm or a trait farm, yep. and you just you attach to him, and you can just do whatever you want. That's a really big like flavor win, in my opinion, from the designers. Yeah. Honestly, it makes me want to try Rogue versus him. Yeah. yeah. He he hits flight, and then you can just dive upon him, right? Oh, now you're speaking my language. <laughs> Punch villain face. It's the Adder Cop special. Just, just yeah, man. Just connect to body. <laughs> So how'd y'all feel about this being the second to last villain in the box? Do you think he's I, up to snuff? Well, I thought it was strange. I expected him to be the, the main villain in the box, honestly. No, it's, it's sinister. It's not strange. Yeah, you didn't read the comic <laughs> that comes with it. You would know. No, no, I, I don't read those comics. Comics are for children. <laughs> so are card games. <laughs> Okay, well, we don't want to spoil Crimson too much, but let's talk about the next villain really quick before we move on to our thoughts on the campaign. And who is this in, like, the comic? Oh, are we going to get a comic book minute? I, I don't, I, I honestly, I don't recognize him. So Have you like, played the hero Cable? Yeah. Okay, you're good to go, right? No, That's but, like, I mean, in the comics, I, I, don't, I don't recognize him because most of my comic knowledge is from the 90s, not from any beyond. Do you uh, think this guy doesn't look like pure nineties? Look at his costume. I know, We're like, about his that, price, that's, by the way, people. That's one like, man, who like I don't recognize this guy. Cram. And he looks like somebody. Give, that give I should, us the one I minute comic remember. history of Strife before Hone tells us about this monster. Oh man. Uh Cram, please. Let me tell you what if I told you this character's first appearance was in nineteen ninety? Yeah. I mean he looks like he came out of the nineties, but I'm like, Yeah, he I, does. Don't remember him at all. He's a he's a, a Leafieldian creation. 
So that is why he looks uh, the way that he does, which is, you know, ugly. Um, but yeah, he, he pops up in New Mutants. That's where we saw like a lot of the X-Force stuff start up. That's, you know, we got our, our cables, our Deadpools, Domino, you know, the whole gang that we're like kind of obsessed with right now. Um, and he is a, if I remember right, he's a future clone of Cable. So he's like indirectly a child of Cyclops and Jean. Okay. Uh, um, but he's a huge jerk and his psychic abilities are like, you know, not limited by the, the virus in the way that Cable's is. Also, he's not a good guy. So, um, he just runs around doing a bunch of evil dressed like, I mean, he's, he's dressed that way. So, I mean, he literally looks clearly. like Shredder stole freaking Spawn's cape. But let's yeah, he looks like, here. he looks like Ultron and Shredder had a child. Um, and then he came back. He came back later in uh, like the twenty twenty tens ish for Messiah War because it was like a cable event. Obviously, you can't have a cable event without strife popping up. Um, but basically, yeah, he's just he's future evil cable. He is about his nineties as it gets, um, short of being like onslaught, I guess. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there's not much to say. I mean, I <laughs> uh, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. I guess. <laughs> what what is the mutant liberation front since that's one of his traits uh so i think that's appeared... his... oh yeah oh uh, those are those are his like goons i think in the future and in uh x-force when x-force started so new mutants was like 100 issues long and then it pivoted into x-force and i think i can't remember what issue of new mutants it was 87 or something like that Professor X was gone, Magneto was gone, and he was a good guy at that time for some reason. And then uh, Cable came in and was leading the New Mutants, and then he turned them into the X Force. And the villains for like the first twenty issues was this Mutant Liberation Front. So it was just like Strife's version of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Um, so a lot of the minions we're going to talk about in this scenario were from that uh, that generation. Gotcha. Mutant cool. powers. All right, give us the rundown on Strife. Now that we know, well, the 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 card game the character Strife. Yeah. So Strife, uh, clone of Cable, like we said, um, he deceptively at has like a low attack, um, but his whole stick is basically um, is themed around the number of cards of the most common type. So you kind of see that recur through all of his cards. So he kind of hates on you, basically building around a single card type, I guess. So good for, you know, those Miss Marvels and Gamoras out there. Um, and so uh, while Strife is attacking, he gets plus X attack, where X is the number of cards of the most common type in your hand. And I believe that's true, yeah, on stage one, two, and three. So that's like a passive effect for all of his um, stages. And so on stage one, he's a one zero, but, you know, obviously... Uh, unless you have a no-card hand, he's at least going to be a one-attack, right? And yep. up to, if you're really unlucky, maybe like a, maybe you're playing like Iron Man, and you have seven events in your hand, he could be like a seven base attack on that. So, that would feel bad. Um, so, uh, kind of reminds me, I guess, a little of like claw variability, to some degree. Like, he could maybe be really bad or really good, depending on, I guess, your hand size, or like the kind of cards you have in your hand. Um, and then... Uh, for his main scheme, you know, like like everything else uh, at this point in the uh, scenarios, you get Hope Summer uh, under play of the first character. 
and then you reveal Strife's Grasp, which is a side scheme that uh, starts out in play uh, with four starting threat and hinder six. Um, and Hope Summers can only attack Strife uh, when this is in play and can only thwart this scheme. So you can't use her to kind of deal with other minions or any or other like kind of schemes. Um, she can only kind of deal with either targeting Strife or targeting this uh, side scheme. It has a crisis icon, and after Strife is defeated or the last threat is removed from this scheme, you flip this card and reveal Living Bomb and place any threat on Living Bomb. And so this is a double-sided card. And so there's this kind of like, uh, I guess, trade-off here of you could basically either um, defeat Strife uh, one time uh, to either flip this or actually remove all the threat to kind of flip this to the living bomb side. But if you do, all the kind of remaining threat uh, pops onto living bomb. Uh, living bomb, while it's in play, uh, Strife cannot be defeated. And again, this also has a crisis icon and it only has three starting threat, uh, but obviously has uh, any of the um, remaining threat um, from Strife's grass that you did not clear. Um, and then when you flip to the Living Bomb side, it, it actually advances the main scheme to the second uh, main scheme stage. Um, which uh, levels Strife up, uh, gives him Stalwart, and then uh, for better or worse, uh, this kind of reminds me of like that uh, the like voice of Isengard type of thing in Lord of the Rings, where uh, Grima lets you draw hand, like increases your hand size or like draw cards. Um, this increases your hand size by two, um, but then you also have to increase the resource costs. Um, yep. For everything you play by one, which feels really bad. Um, also, you know, increasing your hand size also makes Strife attack harder, right? Because you you'll have a higher chance of having more common cards or the most common type uh, in your hand. Um, so that feels also not great. Uh, and yeah, and then so he has basically a bunch of stuff, um, kind of built around, I think, your hand size, right? Um, uh, at the for for the main scheme in stage one as well, uh, the amount of threat, um, that you put on here is also based on the number of the most common cards in your hand, so it's just this recurring thing, um, that is basically throughout all of his cards. Um, through this scenario. Seems like a good protection deck would be uh, great with him against him. Yeah. It it doesn't help you with the threat that gets placed, but I believe the way his lasting effect works is while Strife is attacking you, he gets plus X attack, where X is the number of cards of the most common type in your hand. So if you can spend a bunch of events while he's attacking you before damage is calculated, it could like lower... That's that how number. I would play it, yeah. I would play it as a, a legacy event, uh, effect. I, yeah, I think it's just a constant passive, right? So the value of it is constantly changing as your hand size is changing. Yep, it could even change card types, like, as your hand size yeah. is changing. I mean, you could grieve people by playing, like, a Web Warrior-style deck and just, like, chump and then give someone <laughs> else more more cards. Like, you draw a card, right? I, I was and, thinking of Ghost Spider, so... <laughs> I hadn't thought of that, but now I want to do it. Uh, that's a good leadership friendly player, right? Giving people cards? Yeah, totally. That was the plan. 
you know, time. this sounds sounds extra fun too with like the personal nightmare modular with that side scheme that also increases your hand size, right? Oh yeah, I hadn't tried that yet. Your hands could get real big. Now just add a symbiotic suit and we're all good. Yeah. Yeah. Big hands from Miss Marvel, real big. Nobody how did you how did you all feel about strife? Uh he he tricked me and it made me mad. Tricked that you. Sounds like an aggression player. It said plus two cards in my hand size, and I said, That's awesome. And I filled my hand up. And then he said, Now pay five for your dive bomb, stupid. And you were like, No. And, uh, yeah, it was like way less fun. <laughs> and then he <laughs> hit you for six. <laughs> yeah, I was like I was like seven cards, cool. I can destroy you with this, but I can only play one. I have skilled strike in my hand that I couldn't pay for left over. Stupid. Did the did, did the side scheme hurt you? Because you have to clear a living bomb before you can bust the second stage. Um, since I was playing as Angel, uh, it wasn't as bad because I was getting extra readies out, and uh, I had a, a pretty respectable two thwart along with Hope, popping it. Like it wasn't a huge deal. I, I really liked Strife. I thought he was a good end-of-box villain. He felt very cinematic, just like Magneto did. The The hand-size thing was a downer for me, because it meant I had to keep counting things. <laughs> Especially because I was playing events during like the villain phase uh, a couple times, playing protection, or uh, Wait, drawing extra protection? cards from things leaving out. I, I played protection. I tried. I tried to game the game. Um, but I kept... I found myself constantly having to like reevaluate how many cards were in my hand, and uh, that was a little frustrating. And then I, I really he tricked me as well, because then I started being like, oh, well, maybe I should keep one card of each card type in my hand. That way, I'll be unlikely to get a large number. But that meant I just wasn't spending resources on anything, and I was treading <laughs> water. And then I decided I'm just going to play it like normal Marvel Champions and threat and punch his face, and then it worked. So. <laughs> I had to stop thinking, and then it was fine. And expect that the game will let me win. Yeah, I just have to put this protection deck away and play like normal Marvel Champions, and we'll be fine. Also, for the people yeah, keeping I, I score like... at home, uh, Dan saying that he was playing a protection deck is actually the code word that tells us that he's in danger and that he's probably been kidnapped. So we have to go find him. So we're actually going to end the podcast help here. Me. Uh, yeah, he's in trouble. <laughs> Send help. <laughs> Send help. Uh, I I do think George Stacy from or or like Jacosta helps like being able to basically hide cards that technically don't count as your hand, right? That you can play mm -hmm. from your hand. Um, definitely helps to have access to stuff that basically Strife doesn't get to use against you. Essentially, I really like that. That's a really good idea. <laughs> yeah, Painted Lady was great too. I think that uh, in general. What I found against Strife, he felt a lot like Claw to me. I can't, I think that was said earlier, but yeah. um, like I would have rounds where like he'd barely hit me, and then I'd have rounds where I'd like look at my hand and be like, "Oh, I have five events and nothing else." Oh no, be a bad time. I'm exhausted already. Oh no, <laughs> what do I do? But um, you can jump block. You can jump block this time. If I have an ally. You can definitely jump block that plus six attack because your hand is all events. It's no problem. You can just feed him Psylocke. No problem at all. <laughs> <laughs> and 
Any standout cards from uh, Strife set? Um, I feel like Psychic Override. Um, kind of rough. Yeah, that's another one Crimson doesn't like discard. Oh, yuck. Holy crap. Yeah, that, yeah. that was my pick, too. <laughs> I had to read it like three times to figure out what I wanted to do. I was like, no problem. I'll just discard this single upgrade and keep all my cool events. And then realized it would kill me if I did that. So I uh, had to back things up a little bit. Yeah. That, what do you think about this with a, a new standard? From Kana Heroes 20, 20, 21? Was that the hand hate one? That'd probably be a little one. overwhelming. You run that in personal nightmare as your modular. You need to stop. Stop it. Stop. Now you're now you're in flying Ronin land too. <laughs> this is a two person show now. <laughs> my, my least favorite card was telekinetic wave um, because I hate when things go back into my hand after I just paid for them. And I tend to play a lot of big, expensive supports and upgrades, and I don't like when they go back into my hand. You do get a pick, which is nice. It doesn't say highest cost. Yeah, if you have more than one. I mean, it was great against Hawkeye. I just kept bouncing my bow back and then being like, it's free. But uh, when it bounces like a mansion or a helicarrier, you're like, oof. Now I've paid six resources to reduce the cost of something one time. This is bad. This guy's Maybe playing I mansion play in 2023. Right? Yeah. Yeah, Mutants can I hang out there too. Uncanny Avengers. Definitely. What did you think about the psionic events? Um, I forgot to mention one of them starts out in play in Expert, or when you get to stage two, uh, you get to reveal one of these fun psionic events. Did you have a favorite or most hated one? Or not event attachment? I was like, I'm looking for the events. I thought there, there would like be attachment <laughs> yeah. things. I was like, isn't that what we were just talking about? The psionic treacheries? Is that what we're talking about? <laughs> um, the amnesia one was one that I did not like. It's not my friend. <laughs> That's the one that uh, you attach your identity, increases the resource cost of each ally and support you play by two after you play an ally <laughs> or support exhaust your identity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not ideal. Yeah, this that. feels feels really bad if you're playing like a protection deck with no allies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, at that point you should reevaluate how you play protection though. What was I your with a mind trap one? recently? Oh yeah. It didn't do anything to me. It didn't matter. I don't play allies like ever. My upgrade that I wanted was down. It didn't yeah, I was just dealing damage. I'm too I'm too stupid to be mind trapped apparently. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't like the psychic inertia then. So attach your identity. If your hero attacked and thwarted this fade, just discard this card, otherwise you get minus one thwart, minus one attack, because that would make you do something other than punching, and that wouldn't be fun. Right. right? Although with Angel, which is like my, my new favorite child, uh Angel, it's pretty easy to do both of them. <laughs> Can that's you fair. attack so that's for zero? Cool. Um, uh, as think, long as it's not so, a yeah, dash, I think dash. you're allowed to, right? Well, yeah, I was just thinking that with like Quicksilver, I'm like, oh, now Quicksilver's a zero zero, but he can still do it then. Yeah, hopefully, you have some upgrades. Although, nobody plays, Quicksilver, yeah, definitely. So. What do you think of the extreme no, measures uh, modular set? The MLF, 
well, half of the MLF. Of the MLF. <laughs> There's definitely some like uh, beefy minions in here for sure, which makes sense for a bunch of name minions. Mm-hmm. There's some beefy minions, but um, of the box, this was the least memorable like chunk of minions to me. And maybe yeah, it's because they're the, also the least memorable from the comics. But um, I mean, I remember forearms and tempos like reasonably relevant. She appeared on Krakoa, so we'll count her as reasonably relevant. <laughs> yeah, I have, a, I, I have a weird memory of forearm too. I'm not sure why. Like he's just so familiar. <laughs> he's just so so dopey. You gotta love him. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's like Hercules with extra arms. I don't know. <laughs> He is like Goro. I think Grim's got it. Maybe I'm thinking of Goro, and I think Goro yeah. is Goro. That's possible. He looks like a Power Rangers bad guy. That's what it is for me. Aren't you the guy from Mortal Kombat? What? <laughs> no, I, I like the modular sets. We got some four boosts in there. Um, all the yeah, minions are reasonably down. mean, but they, they seemed a little bit fair, right? There were a lot of three health minions in there, whereas some Thumbelina of the other... Is fair? Hmm? Do you Which think Thumbelina is fair? I mean, not ideal. I don't like her when revealed. Is that what you're asking about? Yep. And then you also have Wild Side, but you get the choice, right? Yeah. Yeah, they have a lot of minions that return things to your hand, which is kind of annoying. But I just meant like they're life pools, right? When we've looked at like the... The other minions in this box, or if you look at the minions that usually get mixed into that final villain, you're sitting here with these like seven, eight health minions with guard and patrol. And I never yeah. want to shuffle those into other villains. But these are ones I would actually use. I just wish I knew the characters more so I could care that I'm punching Dragoness and not Reaper. <laughs> um, important to note that Thumbelina dies to Hulk's Thunderclap because it's not an attack. So, you know, throwing that one out there. Nice. For all, for all of our Hulk listeners, not an attack. I mean, also Angel. <laughs> Angel's uh, on his Archangel side, right? Yeah. That's true. Costs, Ariel thing. That, it just, it's true, but if I don't address our Hulk listeners at least once an episode, I might lose my champion title. You might lose all two of them. Mm -hmm. And they're important to me. I'm glad that you listened. Thank you. Shout out. All right, all right. Final boss was pretty final bossy. So let's talk about the campaign a little bit. So the campaign, I thought, was pretty unique. I liked the idea that you sort of, as a team, would get to pick one of these. How did it work? You picked a side scheme to put into play? Yep. And then when you defeated the side scheme, you would flip it over and get an environment that would give you some kind of bonus. And also, by choosing a side scheme, you'd shuffle a specific millen... Mi millen minion into the villain deck or the encounter deck at the start of the mission um, and then as you progress through the campaign whatever environments you've unlocked come back every mission but those minions also go into the deck every mission and they kind of like paired with each other um, I don't think they're I, all minions it's I think it's, there's one there's side scheme one side scheme and one, one treachery, treachery and, and like four minions, four minions. yeah, yeah. So what you all, all have, think of that? They all have the good search keyword. So you got that going for you. That's true. That's true. Search is never bad when it's in the it's discard. Like a, it's like Badoon Headhunter, the sequel. Yeah, but they don't all go in. They, they don't all get there until the end. And only if you're successful in your missions, right? No, that you always get the minion 
or trash for your like you always get the encounter card you just don't necessarily get the good thing if you fail it oh so if you don't actually complete it the minions still move forward with you that's annoying yeah yeah good thing i haven't failed any totally i i liked it a lot um but clearly there are some like environment cards that are better than others in my what do opinion. you mean by that? Like, I think, for instance, uh, what is it? Mission prepped. Each player, remove one prep counter from here. Each player searches their deck and discard pile for one upgrade with a print cost two or less, puts into play. Like, having that start on every single mission seems really good. Yeah. Yeah, like I could see the that. Entire table. Um, uh, I think safe house is also very strong. An alter your action where you can heal two damage from Randenny or draw a card, and any player can trigger this. Limit once per round per player, so you don't even have to exhaust it, right? So, basically, on your opening turn, when everyone's an alter ego, everyone can basically draw a free card right that seems really strong too yeah that's that's a, the strongest <laughs> ones. pretty powerful <laughs> uh so I, I i don't know I, I don't think they're all i guess the same caliber so those would probably be almost always my first two picks i liked uh, that they all were pretty relevant at least like i've I found that going through the campaign, I've tried to pick different heroes and builds that make me change the order on what I choose. Like, I really like practiced maneuvers, reduce the cost to play each event with the printed cost of three or more by one. Like, you can you do like some crazy things. I like it because of the art, too. But we're not going to talk about that right now. <laughs> it's got my boys on it. But I also liked, uh, again, I was trying to play a protection deck. Help me. Um, prepared defenses was each hero gets plus one defense and gains retaliate. So if you can get that for the rest of the campaign, your protection player becomes like an all-star, which is super cool. Um, so it, I agree it's not as relevant as everybody's starting with an extra card. But at least when when I was playing some standard campaigns, I tried to like change up the order on which ones I picked in which order. The only one I almost never picked first was the pouches, which made me sad because I think of nothing else when I think of X-Force if it's not pouches. Absolutely. I, I was always tempted by pouches because I played Domino at one point for the campaign. And being able to double count two wilds seems really good. Mm -hmm. And there were some other Absolutely. campaign sneaky rule, rules in there. So I think Crimson made a joke last episode about uh, if the three Marauders you defeat in the first scenario couldn't be the one from the second scenario, that that would be really cool. And that's actually a campaign rule. So when you defeat three Marauders in Scenario 1, you put them in like the defeated Marauders part of the campaign log. And then in the second one on the run, it can't be one of those three Marauders that becomes the boss. So I think that they did some really cool like uh, storyline ties. It was more than you know Red Skull, where you just kept these delay counters that for some reason buffed someone four episodes later. Or uh, some of the even some of the later boxes where it felt more like the campaign log was forcing you to do a bunch of taxes. Here it was like really forcing you to make decisions <laughs> and like to push the narrative and like tie the missions together, which I really liked. There wasn't always something 
from scenario to scenario though, right? If I recall. Um, I think the Marauders one was one, and then you gain like, something for the Morlocks as well, if I remember right, if you kept Morlocks alive. So that was all scenario one to scenario two. Yeah, but on the run to Juggernaut, I don't think there was anything, right? No, it just depended on how many campaign environments you had in play. Yeah. And then... uh yeah, I think that was the, the, the main one was the first one, right? Yeah, I, I thought that one was really neat and fun. Uh, and it was neat to see them, I think, play around with the same villain set, I think, between two scenarios. Uh, definitely like to see them explore that uh, some more. Um, the Even though I was kind of poo-pooing on the, I guess, strength of some of the environments versus the others, it's still like a fun exercise, I think, the first time you go through the campaign to kind of look through all the stuff and then have that choice. I think I was trying to, you know, try to pick ones that seemed relevant um, for the villain I was fighting, like practice maneuvers uh, that you're talking about that reduces the cost of three mm-hmm. cost events by one or more feels really nice uh, in the in strife, right? Like when you get to that stage two, you yeah. can basically make dive bomb cost three again, you know? I know these weren't the way these were intended, but our group for when we do Marvel Champions Nights, we've been taking these campaign cards and as we play through, we like play like we're playing our own campaign. We do like random villains, but then we pick a side scheme and environments to unlock in the first game of the night. We usually get three games in when our group gets together. So for the third game, we've got like three of the environments in play and it's been super fun. So I've, I've really appreciated these cards. They didn't feel like the Guardians of the Galaxy market that I may as well not even put in sleeves. Um, so I'm I'm happy with these campaign cards. Yeah, I, I think there's stuff you could do too if uh, I guess you're as sour as me of just like drafting. Like I think it'd be fun to draft them. Like maybe you get two random ones, you have to pick one. Oh, that'd be cool. Um, pick one, the other's gone forever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So it's just like you play a three scenario campaign, right? And you get to the first two, you get to pick one. One's gone forever. Pick one. Oh, one's we're gonna gone try forever, that next and week, just, and you just get like whatever the last one. Well, I, I th- yeah, there's six, right? So you actually you can do it for each one, right? So yeah, my group's gonna hate you when we get like a real hard choice. Just be prepared. It's like a safe house and uh, mission prepped. Yeah, yeah. Just give them a uh, <laughs> Yeah, I could do that. Problem solved. Uh, but I think that could be fun too. Um, uh, for some of that stuff. Uh, um, but yeah, overall, I, I I did really enjoy, I think, the touches in this campaign. Like you said, um, I didn't feel like I was doing a lot of taxes or bookkeeping unnecessarily. I felt like pretty smooth uh, flow through the campaign. And, um, you know, uh, it was nice to have the side schemes when they introduced player side schemes for the first time in the game and kind of really lean into that. So, uh, coming up at the end of the box, where do we think this box ranks? Where uh, is this your favorite box? Is it a mid-tier box? Is this the worst box? We'll uh, go around the ring and start with Adricot. Um, <clears throat> this box is, man, certainly, certainly above average. Um, it's absolutely not a bad box, that's for sure. Uh, everything's interesting in it. 
really excited for the, the just the whole <clears throat> the whole package, right? Including the, the hero cycle. But it's it's really infringing on my favoritism of Red Skull because of the content. Uh just because it's like such a it's such a good it's such a good box. Like I think if you caught me on a on a good day, I would I would say this is my favorite box. Well but on a normal day. I would probably still say Red Skull because it comes with like crossbones and uh and everything. That's cool. I knew you were gonna bring really up fun. the crossbones. You do this every cycle. You always bring I know. up the crossbones. I know, I love crossbones. I love Taking crossbones. my lines before I get there, you know. I have I have no qualms about that. I like I like the end of a box where I get to punch Red Skull in the face because that's like my favorite thing. So fair. That's fair. Yeah. What about you, Krim? Um it's it's okay. Like there, there's some definite good villains in here. There's definitely some aggravating villains too. So I kind of just put it in the middle. They're um, not trying to be your best friends, Grim. The what? They're not trying to be your best friends. Yeah, they're going to be aggravating. They're doing their job. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, th- this box is very heavy mechanically on a lot of things. Um, so. I don't know. I, I just felt it was kind of mid-tier. Um, definitely would not be the first box I hand to a new player, but you know, definitely not as challenging as, say, most wanted. No. <laughs> Alright, what about you, Han? Uh, this is probably, I, I think, like, as far as design mechanics and replayability, uh, it is probably their best design. Um, for sure. It's probably my number one box, uh, but I'm not a new player. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I agree with what Krim is saying. I probably would still hand someone Red Skull before this uh, if they were just starting. But I, I think they do a job of just, you know, like a lot of RNG elements. I think the standard to expert uh, kind of difference um, seems very intentional and well-designed versus just padding stat numbers like they've done in the past. Um, I think probably my favorite thing is just the amount of kind of more storytelling that happens, I think, organically through different ways, like the main scheme advances um, mm-hmm. in both in like scenario one, scenario two, um, and even scenario five, right? Is that like there is that, that kind of change in that Marvel Champions formula, which I think really just helps like push uh, a narrative. I think Mr. Sinister, uh, even though he's more traditional, like it's pretty common probably in most games that you're going to advance, you know, to that last stage just because the threat on that is so low, the acceleration is so high, and he just has stuff that will just put threat on the main scheme. So you're going to kind of go through that story too. And so I just really like that um, that kind of pacing um, in, in a scenario. So this is... I think easily one of the best boxes out there. Yeah. Um, so I think this is my favorite designed box. I agree. It's not the box that I would hand the new player. I would definitely hand them red skull and I would probably hand them this pretty quickly after, even though it's pretty mechanically heavy. Um, having played a lot of LCGs, I feel like this is like the tipping point box where like, Champions is truly going to be in its renaissance of design, where we're really iterating from that baseline design of just punch villain face, not have story, punch, 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 which 
people like, right, Adderkop? But uh, I think it's going to be like a defining point of changing. And part of that isn't even just the villains, but by having player side schemes, they're going to have to give us more interesting challenges because of the tools we now have at our fingertips. So I think in five years or six years or whatever, this is going to be the box where people like, this is where champions hit its stride. Um, and that's really cool to see like sort of real time. I'm pretty excited. Um, it has some of my favorite villains. It's got really interesting designs for the villains. It doesn't have my favorite heroes, um, but I do think the heroes have cool hooks and we get the player side schemes. Um, it's got a lot of cannonball art, so I have to give it some a lot of cannonball art. Doesn't have a lot of Hawkeye art like Red Skull did. Um, but I did read a lot of New Mutants and X-Force as a kid, so I can appreciate this box as well. So right now, this is my favorite box. If you ask me in a week, I might flip back to Red Skull. It might still be Cult of the New, but it's been like two or three months. So I feel like maybe maybe Crossbones has been unseated for me at our cop. I apologize. Our Crossbones fan club is, is destroyed. We'll just stop meeting regularly, I guess. Yeah, I guess you're off the podcast. I'm just kidding. That's ugh. All right, uh, that's fine. Start my own crossbones podcast. It's gonna be cool. <laughs> but that's it. So we've gotten through next evolution. I think next we'll do a episode where we talk about Psylocke and Angel, and maybe we'll do a two hero episode since the packs have been coming out together. Um, yes. and we'll go forward from yes. there. I'm Angel super episode. excited for a Psylocke. No, Psylocke <laughs> yeah. episode. What are you talking about? They're Angel episode, great. yes. <laughs> but I'll take the Psylocke episode, definitely. Okay, good. We have debate. I'm excited. <laughs> Until then, thanks for tuning in, everybody. We appreciate you uh, listening. See you later. See ya. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Marvel Champions Monthly. If you liked this content, be sure to like, subscribe, or leave a comment on the video letting us know what else you would love to see from the world of Marvel Champions. You can also join us on our Discord, or support our work on Patreon in the links in the description below.